Non-rock-a-boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yes! Yes! What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go in the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got, yeah. I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. We could do this all day. That's Psalm 119. You could, I mean, it would probably take all day to actually read Psalm 119. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big one. Longest chapter in a... In the Bible, yep, and uh, it's in the it's in the Psalm Psalm book, um, and uh, Psalm one nineteen. Uh, it's an amazing book about God's law, uh, song about God's law. It is phenomenal, amazing. This is Apologia Radio. It's the gospel heard around the world. Everybody, I'm Jeff. They call me a ninja. That's Luke the Bear right there. What up? You can get more at apologiastudios.com. That's A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A studios.com. Apologiastudios.com. You can go there and get all the podcast episodes from Provoked to Cultish to Sheologians to all of Apologia radio shows in history. And if you are a partner with us in All Access, we want to start by telling you thank you. Thank you for being a part of this ministry with us, making everything we do possible. All the people coming to Christ, coming out of the cults, um, getting freed. Uh, from a drug and alcohol addiction, all that stuff. Everything that's on Apologia Studios is here because of people just like you who partner with us with All Access. And we want you to know, big news if you didn't know this, um, we have some major changes happening with Apologia Studios All Access. Our, our new website is almost finished. And so we're hoping by the end of the month you'll be able to go there. New website, uh, just so much more beautiful, easy to understand, easy to navigate. And we have some new shows coming for everybody right now. We've got Collision, where we engage with uh, sort of pop culture stuff, talking heads. Collision, it's the gospel and the Christian worldview against all other opposition. We also have uh, Ask Me Anything that happens once a month here at the studio. We do a live stream for our All Access partners where you guys uh, hook up with us. We can ask You can ask questions live. We talk to each other, and that happens. We also have some stuff coming from Sheologians where you're going to do the same thing with them. Some stuff in the works for Cultists, The Aftermath, and we have The Academy. Apology All Access Academy. Great stuff. 
Already got some new stuff in the works right now with Andrew Sandlin on prayer. Mm. I actually let Candy watch the first one. My wife watched the first one the other day. She said that was absolutely incredible. So Andrew Sandlin, Dr. Sandlin on prayer. We've got some stuff with Ben Merkel in there on education. And we just shot one yesterday for you all uh, with uh, Eli. Yeah. Yeah. Ayala. Ayala. Ayala He did six Six sessions really? for the Academy on He's Christian apologetics, defending your faith. He's an amazing man. Yeah. Great brother, solid dude. And so that's there. More is coming. And so at the end of the month, we're going to have a big rollout of the website and all this new content just for our All Access partners. We even have some stuff in the works right now for after we do Apologia Radio live here on YouTube. We're going to move over to the um, All Access platform and do an additional uh, time period there with everybody who is partners with us in ministry. So that's what's up want to tell you, if you didn't know it and you're new to Apologia, go to BonsonU at ApologiaStudios.com. BonsonU, uh, B-A-H-N-S-E-N-U, and um, go there. It is Dr. Greg Bonson, one of the greatest philosophers in the history of the Christian church and apologist, to my mind. Um, His entire life's work that was recorded, so his seminary lectures, his teachings at church, through the Bible. I mean, you're going to learn about hermeneutics. You're going to learn about Christian history. You're going to learn about books of the Bible. You're going to learn about Christian apologetics and philosophy, how to defend your faith. You are getting the top tier theological and apologetic philosophy uh, education, and you're getting it completely for free. Uh, from Apologia Studios as a gift to you through us from the Bonson family. And so if you didn't do it yet, you really need to do it. You really need to sign up with Bonson U. It is completely free. I mean that. And big thank you, as I always say, to our All Access partners, because while it is free to you to get Bonson U, it is actually being paid for by our partners in ministry mm-hmm. with us, because every time someone clicks... You have to pay for that. Uh, yep. Someone's got to pay for it. And so we're, we're, we're taking the cost of that. And so a big thank you, all of our gratitude to everybody who is a part of this ministry with us. You make everything we do possible. So thank you. Thank you. Hey, big, right. a big week. Lots has happened. <laughs> For, for us yeah. as pastors, it's been busy. It's been a busy it's been week. Very busy. Busy season. We yeah. have uh, tons of stuff happening right now. I wanted to let everybody know you're watching live, so I don't want to forget to say it. Uh, if you're in Ohio right now, yes, in Ohio, we our team probably probably just got off the airplane. Um, in Ohio, our team is there for a meeting tomorrow. Can you? Where, where's the information on that? Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't have I'll it pulled up. It. Luke will find it, uh, so we'll announce it. But here's the deal. We have a bill that we didn't anticipate happening in Ohio right now. A very, very amazing, praiseworthy moment. A bill of equal protection for all humans from fertilization. In the state of Ohio, you know that we've been able to work with other Christians and organizations. We're helping them. Some are helping us with our bills. Uh, the church is working together in all these different states to get these bills of abolition in. And we got one in Ohio, so we have a pastor's meeting happening tomorrow. Tomorrow. This is Thursday. Tomorrow, Friday. What is tomorrow's date? Uh, tomorrow's the 17th. So March the 17th, uh, I believe. St. Patty's Day. St. Patty's Day. Is that why you wear green? Uh, you got a green little clothes. Well, little that's clover? my yeah. Irish one, but I wore this one specifically, which actually we did get for Ireland. For Brandon. But for Brandon. Yeah, there you go. Yes. That's a real harmony right there. See that? That's yep. a man. That's a woman. she got a dress on. He doesn't. <laughs> and there's a, see, there you go, a cross. There, there you go. See a circle harmony right there. Man shall leave his yep. father and his mother, cleave to his wife, become one flesh. That's the way it's supposed we to be. We did get these for Ireland, so it worked out well. Yep. Uh, the info, you want it now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it now while we're all on it. So we're going to get See? right to our discussion on Brandon in just a moment here. I want to make sure everyone knows this is going on. Yeah, so just go to endabortionnow.com uh, slash Ohio and all the information's there. But it is tomorrow at 12 p.m. 
8500 Memorial Drive in Plain City, Ohio. You can RSVP if you want to go there. And I believe the live stream will be up there tomorrow. Yeah. Endabortionnow.com slash O-H. Or oh, I think you can O-H-I-O. do both. O-H-I-O. Oh, it's the full thing now. Okay, Ohio. So endabortionnow.com forward slash Ohio. RSVP because they're also doing lunch for everybody. I wasn't able to go. I had every plan to be there. So I apologize to everyone in Ohio. Um, I so wish I could be there, but we have a lot of pastoral responsibilities and other things going yeah. on right now. I wasn't able to make it. Uh, so the team is there. Uh, Conover is going to be there. He'll do a, a stellar job. And so if you're a pastor or a leader in the state of Ohio, you want to help us with this bill, get to that meeting tomorrow at noon. Just rewind this after we're done here and get all the info from Pastor Luke. All right. So it's been a busy week as well because... Uh, let me get everyone into it real fast. You may have caught the discussion that we had with um, Brandon Robertson. Brandon Robertson's uh, a, a fairly well-known uh, LGBT TikTok um, reverend. Uh, he is the guy that you've seen videos of, probably, that said that Jesus repented of his racism. Uh, he's the guy that uh, called corn. Uh, um, uh, good and beautiful, and he's also the guy that encourages people to satisfy their lusts and to, and to go along with it, with the LGBT stuff. And so you've probably seen him also recently because there's a popular video, I think even Ray Comfort shared it, where uh, Brandon's in the middle of teaching in a church and there's like, I don't know, thunder or something and the lights go out. Have you seen that? No. You haven't seen that? Uh-uh. Really? Uh-uh. Oh, I have to show, maybe I can pull it up here. So, yeah, pull it up. Um, yeah, I will pull it up. So right. basically, yeah. he's he's teaching. The lights go out. I'm surprised you didn't see that. Um, Brandon Robertson. Let's see here. Lights. There you go. It, it, it was it was already a thing. I can only stand so much of that theology. Mm, yeah. No, I understand. I absolutely understand. All right. So I've watched the required minimum. <laughs> yeah, the required minimum. All right. Let's see here. So I'm not sure. Where's this? There's no sound on this one. What's going on? Do I have no sound here now? What's he, going on? Uh, he's been going after our boy John Root recently, too, because John shared something. Uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was going after this gay theology, and there's a picture at this gay church, and I guess he's, like, in the picture, but, like, it's his back. Like, there's no way of knowing it's him, and he got real upset at John. And Really? He's been going after him on Twitter. Huh. Well, I, this is all I can find right now. It's just the short, but uh, take a take a peek at this, guys minorities, sexual and gender minorities, have something to teach the church about dying to self, about new life, about... (laughs) That is not a sign of God's judgment, okay? Well, I don't know, was it? So anyway, so I'm just trying to introduce everybody. So that's, you know, that's that's Brandon Robertson. And here's the story. Um, so my daughter works for Apologia Studios. She does shorts and website stuff. Pastor Zach's daughter works for us as well. My other daughter also works um, for us. And soon Evie will be working for us. Um, I guess that's how it works. Yeah. So uh, Sailor put up um, a clip of one of the shows we did on Brandon Robertson onto some of our platforms, and she put one on Instagram. And um, 
And so he responded. Brandon Robertson actually made contact with us first. Yeah. So he responded and, and said, and you're going to hear him in a moment here, essentially said like, you know, hey, how about talking to me instead of past me? And as soon as I saw it, Sailor said, hey, dad, he got back. He says he wants to talk. I said, great. So I immediately messaged him. I was like, let's, let's do this. And so we let him know that it would just be um, him and Dr. White and myself. And he was, uh, to, he's to be commended. I will say it. He's to be commended for his courage and his yes, willingness to, to have the conversation. Yeah, no, it's great. I'm very, I was very grateful that he had the courage to say he would actually come on to have the conversation with us. And so he did. And uh, we'll go through some of his comments here. So basically we had the discussion. We knew he had limited time. So we tried to show respect for him. We went about 10 minutes over because he was also engaging the conversation, but we finally let him go. And you know, that video has been seen uh, probably at this point, probably about a million times across Ooh. platforms and other people's content that they've made off of that. And here's our desire. And our desire is to provide a reason for the hope that's within us, of course, to defend the Christian faith, the historic Christian faith, the true Christian faith and gospel against someone like Brandon, who is um, heretical. Mm -hmm. uh, he is, uh, by definition, an apostate. You guys will remember that in the last show, somewhere, I think, near the end, he said, I'm not interested in playing the orthodoxy game to which could easily be said, right, that's why you're an apostate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> by, by definition. So he admits it. So a lot of people, um, I think today, and I want to just start this conversation this way, um, some people were just very sensitive to to challenging somebody, saying the hard things. And I, I, I do believe that we were gracious towards Brandon. We were respectful. We tried to show honor to him. We tried to be loving to him. But we also said some hard things. And much of modern evangelicalism doesn't like that. They don't like to say the hard things. No. And Thou shalt be nice. Yeah, you shall, it's the, it's the, the 11th, 11th commandment. commandment yeah. yeah, you shall be nice. And that is, I'm sorry, not how the Christian faith comes into the world. Jesus said very hard things to religious leaders who were leading people astray. He called them whitewashed tombs. That means that you're full of dead, stinking, yeah. rotting bones. But you look nice on the outside. You look nice on the outside. Uh, you look at John the Baptist. He comes in, calls these religious uh, leaders brood of vipers. Um, who warns you to flee from the wrath about to come. You have, of course, the Apostle Paul and Peter and Jude naming false teachers and their position in very clear terms biblically. You don't have to um, use a butter knife with a false teacher. You use a serrated mm. edge because they deserve it. Um, and that is to say, you can say the hard, truthful, cutting things to someone in that context. Now, here's the deal. You don't want to live your life constantly using a serrated edge against everybody. Um, as my friend says, right. you know, there's a, there's a speed limit for the sidewalk and one for the highway, and they're different for a reason, different contexts. And so, yes, we were as pastors, ministers of the gospel, very direct with a man who is leading people astray, a man who is promoting lust, a man who promotes and says pornography is beautiful. Um, this man is an apostate, so we said those things to him. We didn't yell them at him. We weren't mean-spirited. We just told the truth. And so a lot of people didn't like that, and I want to just say I think it's the duty of the Christian church to speak the truth. I, what I was not going to do, Luke, and I'll let you say something to yep. this, I prayed very hard and long before the conversation with Brandon. I prayed for his soul. I prayed for God to open his eyes. I still pray that God frees him and God brings him to repentance. I don't want Brandon to be hurt or I don't want Brandon to be under judgment. I also don't want the people that are listening to him and influenced by him to experience that either. And so, yes, I said the hard things to him. I want him to repent of his sin. 
and I've seen Brandon interact with others. I've seen him interact with others online in different forums. And the one thing that I had to pray about, and I'm just being honest with everybody here, I had to pray about making sure that I was faithful mm. in loving Brandon and faithful in loving Jesus. And one of the things I wanted to avoid, and your flesh will always try to get you to do this, I wanted to avoid placating to Brandon or flattering Brandon. One of the things I've seen in conversations between Brandon and others is that kind of placating and flattering. And I don't think it's loving to Brandon to flatter him. I don't think it's loving to him to placate to him. I think what's loving to Brandon is to tell him the truth, to refute his position, and it is easily refutable, and to call him to repentance. And that means if he's a deceiver, you need to tell him, Brandon, you're a deceiver. You need to repent. If he's an apostate, say it. You've you've abandoned the Christian faith. You are an apostate. Uh, Say it to him. And say it to him, of course, (laughs) with as much love as possible, but say it to him. You know, it's a lot of times in our culture, evangelicals believe like, you know, you, you're only going to win somebody if you're just super nice to them and sweet and loving and all honey and, and powdered sugar. But, <laughs> you know, the truth is, is what, what led you to Jesus was the truth about your condition. Hopefully. I will say this. Hmm. Look, if you got led to Jesus through this like squishy, nice, sweet surfer Jesus message and never had a conviction over your sin, you don't know Jesus. You need to repent and turn to Christ because... Christian experience is the law of God confronting us, the holiness of God confronting us, and we then turn to flee to Christ for salvation and rescue, and we feel the weight of our sin and our guilt and shame, so we turn to Jesus. You're not going to get someone else to come to Christ any other way, because that's how the gospel comes into the world. It's, the, it's here's who God is, here's where you're at, you need to turn and believe in Jesus. Brandon needs to hear that too. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, even Jesus, <clears throat> um, you know, he had prophet priest and king right so there was a time where he acted kingly there was a time where he was he acted like a prophet like um with the pharisees for example or when he cleaned out the temple and then there was a time when he was priestly like the woman at the well so like there's there's a time and a place for everything um and yeah like he's he's actively uh very popular making or preaching a false gospel and, and one that damns people to hell yeah so he actually he indicted God's word and said that yeah. it's filled with immorality. Yeah, I mean, he said some awful things. Yeah, yeah, he 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 said yeah. So the point is, is that you have to deal with a false teacher like Brandon in a different way than you treat the average person on the street, right? The the comment you guys have seen our videos when Pastor Luke and I are out on the street at the Mormon temple, and the average Mormon family walks up to us, we're we're starting that conversation and engaging that conversation in a much different way mm-hmm. than I'm going to deal with um, a false teacher and apostate like Brandon Robertson, uh, because of the nature of the case. And 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 you can see that demonstrated very clearly in the New Testament. The apostles and Jesus handle false teachers yeah. and uh, religious deceivers in a very different way than they ha- than they handle the, the common man. And so that's why we did what we did. We want to be faithful to Jesus and faithful to Brandon and just simply tell him the truth. Yep. So um, I'm going to play through here because uh, Brandon began responding um, online and making some videos and some content related to our conversation. So we're going to work through his comments, try to do this as quickly as possible, and engage a bit with Brandon's response to our radio debate slash discussion. Here we go. If you're watching this, you've probably seen my recent debate with James White and Jeff Durbin of Apologia Studios. 
After seeing them post content about my TikTok for over a few weeks, I decided to reach out on Instagram about a week ago and say, hey, instead of talking about me, instead of talking past me, why don't you talk to me? And to my surprise, Jeff Durbin reached out and invited me to come on the show and to talk with him and James White uh, and discuss the areas that we disagree. Now, in our email exchange before the show was recorded, everybody was very cordial. It was made to sound like this was going to be a very respectful conversation about our disagreements. And when I showed up to do the... So uh, let's let's do that. Um, yeah. I'll just go ahead and read through the conversation so you guys can see it, bring you guys all into this, how this went down. Um, let me go ahead and pull this up here. So I'll just I'll read through them. So... When he reached out to us, uh, we got back to him and we said, we'd, you know, something like we'd love to, let's make a time. And so we, we made a time. And so he just basically said, hey, Jeff, thanks for reaching out. I would love to make this happen. I followed your work for over a decade. From when I was a teenage apologist working to convince Mormons in my school of the gospel, and you had a number of videos attempting that. Unfortunately, next Tuesday doesn't work. I have a full-time job and a PhD program. So he just sort of explains when he could do it. So he set the time. And um, uh, da, 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 let's see here. So I said, um, I said, thank you, Brandon. I think we can make things wor that work. 5 p.m. Arizona time on Tuesday. I'll get the team on it. I do appreciate you reaching out to make yourself available to have a conversation. I'm sure from both our perspectives, it'll be a helpful conversation for others to hear and explore. James White will be joining us on set for that day. It will just be the three of us looking forward to spending time speaking together. And so he gets back to me and says, hey, wire's crossed. He's available at 5 p.m. his time. And so we fixed that. So I think we started at 3 p.m. our time. Um, and I just said, oops. And uh, we set it for 3 p.m. And I said, yeah, sorry, 3 p.m. will work. And I gave him the Zoom link that day. Here's a Zoom link for tomorrow. Thank you for making the commitment. We're looking forward to our time together. And after it was over, um, let's see here. He said, Jeff, hey, thanks for having me on today. I will admit the two-on-one format was less than ideal, but nonetheless, it was great to get a chance to dialogue with you too instead of talking past each other. I look forward to sharing this conversation with our communities. Many blessings. I said to him, finally, I'm grateful you came on, and I mean it when I say it. I admire your commitment and courage to do so. Hopefully, we can talk again sometime. That was our conversations through email, through text. Um, and I just want to uh, note that it was Brandon that reached out to us. And again, I'll say it a thousand times. He is to be commended for that. Mm -hmm. um, I admire the man's courage uh, to be willing to come on. Right. We let him know in advance. This is Apologia Radio. Sometimes we have Luke on. Sometimes I'm not here and Luke is running the show. Sometimes it's Joy with us. Sometimes it's Conover. And sometimes we have Dr. White on us, especially when we have engagements with people that might be helpful for the church. I let him know in advance that Dr. White would be on. Uh, he knows very well who Dr. James White is. He mm -hmm. knows who we are. And so he said so, like since he was a teenager, he's very aware of us. He knew that James is going to be on with me. I thought it'd be helpful to have that conversation because Brandon's very well aware of the fact that Pastor James has been doing videos engaging with Brandon Robertson's stuff for a number of years. And so this was the moment where, hey, let's have a conversation. You know that James is saying things about you. You know that I have been saying things about you. So let's have this discussion. He was notified in advance. Uh, I think he was treated very respectfully. Yeah, I agree. Um, he was able to make his case. We were able to make our case. It's difficult at times to do things over Zoom because sometimes you can't hear each other. Zoom cuts out, all those things. But even times where like he was getting, you know, his mic stepped on, I would say, no, I'd stop and say, okay, please tell us 
how, how do we need to hear you? How do we, how are, how are we misrepresenting you? Just tell us your position. Um, and so I think he was handled very respectfully. Yeah. And that's, that's how the conversation went down. Bait on Tuesday. It started off that way. Uh, before we hit recording, and even in the first few minutes of recording, James White was completely quiet, uh, and Jeff Durbin was generally respectful, asking me to share my perspective. And then very quickly, unsurprisingly, the debate turned into a rhetorical match. James and Jeff are apologists, which is a very narrow section of Christian uh, theological teaching that is meant to help folks defend the faith against other beliefs. So uh, this is important. The, the word apolo- apologist um, is, is not just reserved for the Christian community. Right. So apolo- the Greek word apologia mm-hmm. is the word that would even be used in a court of law at the time where you would provide a reasoned defense for your case. It's just sen- essentially argue your case. That's it's just a Greek word that means that just a reasoned defense. Yep. It's used in a court of law. It's used for uh, other philosophers and everything else. It's not something that's just uh, narrow towards the Christian community and even narrower in the Christian community as these are apologists. We're all called to be apologists. Um, First Peter 3.15, exactly right. sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to give a apologia, a reasoned defense for the hope that's within you. And so Brandon is actually an apologist. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's an apologist for the LGBT people, community. He's an apologist for them. He's an apologist for the homosexual lifestyle. He is an apologist. Richard Dawkins is an apologist for atheism. Okay, so it's, I just want to make, so make sure that we correct the idea that this is some narrow domain of the Christian fundamentalist church. They're just apologists. Brandon's an apologist, too. He's providing a reasoned defense for his case. Trying to. Trying to. Trying to. Attempting to. Allegedly. And so that's what we need to find out. Is it actually reasonable? Is it consistent? Is it coherent? Part of being a good apologist is being a good debater. And Jeff and James are great debaters. They know how to use words and rhetoric. They know how to throw out questions um, to get people riled up, to get people off their game, to confuse people. You see, that is an insult, right? Like, what, what, what are you doing here, Brandon? You are... Trying to minimize the damage. Yeah, trying to minimize the damage. Um, and your position, I believe, was exposed for what it is Brandon. And so I do see this as, of course, damage control. But in doing your damage control, what are you trying to do here? You're trying to paint us in a very poor light, like we are deceptive. We were arguing with you and trying to confuse people. Yeah. I mean, that's what you said there. Um, they, they do this. They know how to do this. They know how to use rhetoric to confuse people. I, I can tell you from the bottom of my heart, and this man knows me. He's known me for 15 years. Yep. I'm not doing this to confuse people or to play games, right. or, to, or to win trophies, or anything like that at all. I'm doing this for the glory of Jesus. We had you on because we want to defend the Christian faith against a wolf like you. And we're being very direct with you. We didn't speak in a crooked way to you. We didn't flatter you. We told you the truth, and yet we were gracious to you. Nothing in our communication with you was an attempt to deceive anybody or confuse anybody. So that wasn't helpful. So let's just deal with what's said. And I think anybody who watches the interview will see that over the hour that we discussed uh, theology with one another, the two of them just kept going at me, throwing in different perspectives. And oftentimes when I tried to respond, um, I was spoken over or you can't actually hear my responses. Um, I'm not saying that 
I feel like everything was unfair, um, but I do feel like the debate did not give me the opportunity to clearly articulate some of the key differences between my progressive Christian perspective and their fundamentalist Christian perspective. Yeah, I want to reject that outright, and I, I can defend this with the clips themselves. I think if anybody watches that discussion, and if you haven't seen it yet, uh, do, after the show, go back and take a look at it. It's about an hour and a half total in length, mm. I think, the whole thing. Time with Brandon's about an hour and ten minutes, I think. Uh, forgive me if I'm off on that. I think it's close to that. And so, if I think if anybody watches that, you'll see that there's moments where Brandon's talking over us. That's just the nature of a radio discussion. He's talking over yeah. us. We're talking over him. Then we would stop and make sure, okay, Brandon, please tell us your position. So Brandon had adequate and ample time to defend his position. And the truth is, and I think this can be demonstrated easily, is Brandon's position is fallacious. It is unbiblical. It is um, full of errors and inconsistent. And so it falls apart under cross-examination. It is easy. It is easy for anybody to stand in front of a camera alone and to give your position without cross-examination. Brandon, that's easy to do. Anyone can do it. People do it all the time. No argument coming back, no cross-examination. It is much more difficult when people know what your position is and know where its inconsistencies are, and they cross-examine you and they challenge you. You had an ample opportunity to give your case. There were numerous times where we stopped and said, please tell us your position, argue your case. And you got you had that opportunity. So I think, you know, <clears throat> the better thing to do in a video like this, I believe, is just to say, okay, look, when we were on the show, Jeff said this. I want to expand a little more on that point and just engage with it uh, rather than trying to make it look like it was you were being stepped on. You didn't get a chance to give your side because, Brandon, you did. You had your chance to get your side. There were a number of other places we could have gone to have a discussion. We didn't go there because we wanted to try to keep it very narrow and focused. And that's what we tried to do. We've tried to focus on your epistemology. That means don't get thrown by that, guys, please. Epistemology, theory of knowledge. How do you know? Brandon makes knowledge claims all the time. Mm -hmm. He's making them in this video, knowledge claims. Question, how do you know? Because you say so? Like you just assert it, you know, and that's supposed right. to be all there is to it. You know, prison systems are full of people, lots of people that make assertions about what they know to be true and what they know to be good. They can, they can claim it too and they can assert it. But the question is, is it true? Is it justified true belief? That's knowledge, justified true belief. How do you know that? Why is that binding upon me? We challenged your epistemology and we challenged you on a few texts, a, a very limited number of texts we challenged you on. And we went to the text and we showed you how it was inconsistent. I mean, even right off the bat here, you notice he's, um, you know, ch trying to change the terminology where he says, well, you know, my progressive Christianity. We're like, well, no, that's Christian apostasy, you know, and then what does he say? Call, accuses of, or he says fundamentalist Christianity is like well it's orthodox Christianity right yeah so like let's, people the people that believe God's word yeah let's just be clear about the terms here even the how we're defining ourselves so yeah so let's deal with what he says guys which is what I want to do in the series of videos that I'm posting now so over the course of the next few videos I want to give you some more well thought out answers to some of the objections that James and Jeff raised during the debate that I either didn't articulate clearly or didn't feel like I had enough time or space to articulate. So with that said, let's dive in. And then how do you know anything at all? I mean, you're making claims about what is moral and true and good, and yet you admit that your system, because you reject God's word and his revelation as a starting point, is that there you can't really know that there's this objective morality. So how do you complain about anything, Brandon? So 
<clears throat> I want everyone to get a hold of why that question is being asked. This is vital. It is everything. It goes across the conversations we have with our Roman Catholic friends, with our Mormon friends, with our Jehovah's Witness friends, with our woke friends, with our atheist friends. It's not just a challenge to Brandon. This is an epistemological question. This is everything. And it's not just happening at Apologia Radio. It's not just a Christian fundamentalist thing. It's a question of how do you know, right? Now, there's different systems of epistemology in history, lots of them. People sometimes pick one. Sometimes they say it's not possible to know anything at all. I mean, you could take, you know, Dr. Will Provine and some of the statements he made as an atheist, biology, bi- evolutionary biologist and atheist. He's dead now. Uh, you know, in his system, you know, your thoughts and what you're doing are just, you're, just a, a, a mechanism, a result of uh, your biological functions, like the biochemistry going on in your brain. And, in, you know, so you can't, you're not really making choices. You're just a... You're just a, a slave to yeah. your, chemi- your brain right. chemistry. Yep. And so, you know, you have uh, different epistemological systems. And again, Christian, brother, sister, please don't let it throw you. I don't know what epistemology is. I don't want to know. It's just, how do you know? Right? Moms and dads do it every day. Tell their kids, don't do this, do this instead. Okay, how do you know? How do you know that's the truth? It's a, it's a very basic question yep. to Brandon. Brandon, how do you know you're making ethical claims? You're making claims about the Bible. How do you know? And the challenge that I presented to Brandon was very simply this. You're making these ethical claims. Brandon, how do you know that I should follow that, that that's actually true? That's, an, that's a, how do you know? What's your theory of knowledge? And what he said was, there may be an objective standard out there. Objective being, it's true anyways. That's the best way I can describe that. It's true anyways. It's something that's outside of myself. It's a standard that exists out there. It's true outside of my be, being born. It's true currently. It'll, true, it'll be true when I'm gone. It's an objective standard outside of myself that is not dependent upon the culture, the time period, what society thinks. It's just simply objective and it's true. We would say God's word is truth. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Jesus said that. John 17, 17. Thy word is is truth. There's an objective standard that exists outside of ourselves. God has spoken, and that's how I know. I know because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, Proverbs 1, 7. I know things because I fear God. I have knowledge. God hasn't hidden these things. He's spoken them. Wisdom is displayed in the book of wisdom, Proverbs, as calling out at the city gates, crying out. God's not hidden himself. He is, vi- he is transcendent, yet he is imminent, covenantally active, and God has spoken. He speaks through creation. He speaks specially in history through his prophets and apostles, and most supremely in his son. So how do I have certainty about anything? I know this to be true. I'm certain of it. Brandon says, there may be an objective standard out there, but he says what? He says, we can't know it, <clears throat> right? I don't, I, well, he says, I don't know what, I don't know it. So here, here, think about the two positions you're standing on. There may be an objective standard out there. <clears throat> I don't know it. I'm not claiming that I, I know it absolutely. Okay, then why are you making moral claims? Why are you calling things in the Bible immoral? Why are you calling anything an atrocity? Because you just said you don't claim to know it. You can't know it. And so if that's the case, if that's your epistemology then stop making knowledge claims as though they're binding. Do you get it? Right? You reject God's word as the objective revelation in history, and you're saying, 
well, I don't know. Well, great. Why are you making all those knowledge claims? Mm. And every time he opens his mouth and says, this is immoral, that's immoral, you ought to do this, you should not do that, you ought not do that. Every time he's literally destroying his own position because he's already told us that it may be out there, I don't know what it is with certainty, and yet here are the knowledge claims. That's a basic epistemological question, right? Is it rationalism? Do you know things because it's rational? because it's reasonable, because it's consistent, that it's logically coherent? Or do you know things because of empiricism, right? You test it. You have to see it, experience it. That's how I know because I've experienced it. I've tested it. It's like a very scientific way of observation. I've observed it. Or do you know things based upon revelation? God has spoken, and that's how I know. Make no mistake about it. It can't be avoided. The Christian worldview, the claim of the Christian worldview is you can know you can know with certainty because God has spoken. That's how you know, because he's given his word. And I, I, I doubt we'll get to it today because there's so much in this video. But he even says at the end, uh, I don't remember exactly what he said. I don't want to misrepresent him. But he basically said at the end of this video, something along the lines of uh, him trying to find his own way to objective truth or something. Do you remember mm -hmm. that part? Yeah. And and. And I was like, that's the very definition of subjective. <laughs> Wait, he comes up to that. I think that's, that's, that's right on the tail of this right oh, here. Is I, it? Believe, okay. I believe okay, it is, perfect. yeah. I would say that I would be in alignment with a majority of other people who uh, have, we have a reason. We have science. We have revelation. I do believe in revelation. I just don't believe that all of the Bible is God's revelation. There are okay, so let's do it. Let's test his epistemology. He says reason, science, and he says revelation okay now that's what he says his claim his claim of epistemology how he knows is reason science and revelation okay now my question is is if you reject the ultimacy of god's revelation that god has spoken and that's how i know he's the reference point if you reject it my question is this brandon what are you doing appealing to reason you, you just can't, you can't just grab, you can't collect that capital from the Christian worldview in terms of reason being a Christian thing, being justified and given warrant from a Christian foundation. You can't just grab that capital and use it to fight the Bible and use it to fight the biblical worldview. Reason, are you talking about, say, in one domain of reason, the laws of logic? Are you talking about the law of non-contradiction? The question to be asked is this, Where's this law of non-contradiction? Anyone out there ever felt one, smelled one, <laughs> tasted one, weighed one? Have you ever done that? Like weighed a law of logic? Can you do that? And the answer is no. Nobody has that experience of actually handling a law of logic because the law of lo laws of logic are abstract, universal, invariant truths that exist outside of my own mind, Brandon and your own mind. They reflect the very thinking of God. These are the things that are built into creation. And by the way, I can only truly justify an appeal to universal, abstract, um, invariant laws from the basis of the Christian worldview. It's not just Brandon that can't do it with his rejection of God's word. It's atheists. They can't do it either. That's not to say that atheists and guys like Brandon don't try to be consistent and be logical. They do because they're made in the image of God, but their worldviews do not comport with what they're doing. And so how are you going to appeal to reason to justify morality, right? 
Like, for example, let's say the thief breaks into your house in the middle of the night. Thief breaks into your house. Tired. It's been <laughs> thief, a long... Yeah. Thief breaks into your house. few weeks. Middle of the night. And then you say to the thief, you say, hey, thief, yeah. this is not consistent. You <laughs> see, I've paid for this, this uh, thing you're stealing yeah. here. It doesn't belong to you. That's not consistent. And then they, the thief comes in and goes, now I know it's the case that that doesn't belong to me. But in fact, it's not the case that it doesn't belong to me. And then you say to the thief, that's a contradiction, sir. That's unreasonable. Do you see the stupidity of that argument? Yeah. It's a thief it's breaking not, in. You yeah. can't rationalize your way. Or like, let's say even yeah. fairly recently in our experience in this nation, all the riots that broke out uh, a, a while back, right? Uh those, 2020, mean? those people going in, stealing stuff that didn't yeah. belong to them. You're going to have a, a, a debate with them on reason. Can you sit down for a second and we talk about how rational this is, right? Like, it, let me explain to you my perspective. And then the thief goes, well, let me tell you my perspective. Like, let me tell you how my reasoning works in this. And it's like, wait a second. Uh, how do the laws of logic appeal here? And do I think that there is a rational component to ethics? Absolutely. But it can only be grounded in something that's ultimate. And so, yes, you need to be reasonable in your appeal to ethics. However, the question is, how do you justify reason yeah. with your rejection of Scripture as ultimate, Brandon? Science. Oh, goodness. Science? Science is dependent upon the uniformity in nature. It's dependent upon induction. It's dependent upon the future being like the past. Now, again, this isn't a Christian thing just throwing it out as some sort of trick. Read Bertrand Russell on this, the problem of induction. He struggled with it. He challenged atheists. You got to give me a reason for this because we need this to do everything we do, including experimentation and, and rationality and everything. And I, well, you can't just say, well, it's always been that way in the past, so I guess in the future it will be. No, that's blind, stupid faith. So Bertrand Russell did, David Hume did, deal with the problem of induction. And Brandon, you can say, well, I appeal to reason and science for morality. Really? Science? Science tells you if something's immoral? Really? How, how do you even appeal to science if you reject scripture as God, as the one promising to sustain all of creation and bring it to its intended destination, Hebrews chapter one? You reject God's revelation as ultimate. How do you, how do you show any, any ability to depend upon the uniformity in nature? to do science. Also, science for morality. What's the data, I wonder? What what would be the data, I wonder, the science and data, ob observational evidence, forgive me, around anal sex in men and other men? What would that data be? Mm. I wonder, if we get time today, we'll go over some of the medical data and science surrounding using a biologically de designed um, exit only portion of the body, something that's used for human waste. What would be the science and the biology in that realm, I wonder? What would it speak to? Is it moral to cause harm? Brandon says later on in this video, he says, you know, my ethical system is like, if it's going to harm me or somebody else, I don't do it. It's sin. Really? Can we look into that? Can we look into the science surrounding that kind of sex? What does the science say? I wonder if you want, guys, if you want to go down a very dark, deep hole into the science surrounding that choice, I wonder what that biological study will, that survey will bring to your attention in terms of, is biology screaming to us that this is good for us? Does it cause harm? 
yeah, it causes harm. Yeah. But the next is he says this, and this is where I want to land. He says, I also believe in revelation. So Brandon's a mixed bag. He doesn't know where he wants to stand. He says, I believe in reason. I believe in science and I believe in revelation. But then he makes, there's a caveat, some revelation. Yeah. I believe, I like some of the stuff in that book. I like some of it. But the determining factor here in all of this, and this is why I kept bringing it up to him through the entire discussion, is Brandon, you're the reference point. Just be straight with it. I'm the reference point. I like reason. I like science. I like some revelation, but other stuff I think is kind of icky. I throw that out. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Then how do you know what to throw out? Brandon. Exactly. Brandon knows what to throw out because Brandon likes to choose things that are in accordance with his lusts. Yeah. And so he looks at the Bible. He says, I like that. I don't like that. I like that. I don't like that. And that's just not how God's word works, Brandon. That's not how his world works. And so Brandon's a very confused mixed bag when it comes to epistemology. And again, this isn't just a question being brought up on Apologia Radio. This is a dominant field of philosophy. And brothers and sisters, you're engaging in it, and I'm engaging in it every single day. How do I know? How am I certain? What ought I to do? What ought I not to do? And so onward multiple ways that we come to develop a sense of morality um, i resonate with the language from the hebrew bible which talks about the law of god written on our hearts i believe that in some sense all the human beings have been programmed with some level um, of moral code and yes there is obviously diversity and we disagree as humans on various um, what things are moral and what might not be moral but there are a lot of areas where Broad swaths of humanity throughout all time do agree on common moral principles. And I'm also of the mindset that... So which is it? I wonder. Is it that you have the majority? Is that Brandon's ethical system? Broad swaths of humanity have believed A, B, or C. Well, I wonder if that's actually true. Because I'm willing to bet everything that I have, and I'm not a gambling man but I think I'd do okay with this one. I'm willing to bet everything I have on the fact that today, around the world, people are being murdered in some pretty grotesque ways. Oh, yeah. It's happening constantly. It's happening daily. And further, when you say broad swaths of humanity have agreed upon this, that's why I brought up Stalin. How about Stalin? Yeah. He agree exactly. with you? How about Hitler? Hitler. As a matter of fact, the majority, if you're going to do a majority, well, let's draw a circle around Germany and let's ask the question, how'd that majority rules work in Germany? How did it work? Because the majority went along with it. They certainly did. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened the right. way that it did. And it ended in a lot of bloodshed and a lot of death. It certainly did. Oh. And so you have to ask that question. Broad swaths? Really? Like Pol Pot? Like Pol Pot? Like Stalin, like Hitler, like Mao, that's just in the last hundred years or so. And so really, like we've act we actually all agree on this. People are killing every single day and it's actually not the case. He's going to bring up the issue of an abortion, uh, the issue of abortion somewhere in this video is not the case that everybody just agrees that you ought not murder, that thou shalt yeah. not kill. A lot of people believe in their heart of hearts, deep down, they believe strongly that uh, actually we have the right to engage in unjustified taking of human life. I just believe I can do it with my child right. in the womb. And so it's actually, you know, you have to ask the question in terms of how do you know, that doesn't provide any certainty that a lot of humanity has believed in this. Well, you know, in this nation, not very long ago, a lot of the people here believed that you could kidnap and enslave black people. Yep. 
a lot of people believe that, that they did so contrary to God's word. And thankfully, there was corrections brought because of God's word. But a lot of people believed in it. A whole lot did. And so what's the rule here? How many people have to be in charge and agree with something to make it moral? And, you know, it is true that he brings it up. It seems that everybody in the world has this built-in sort of moral <laughs> compass and knowledge that there's a need for justice, a need for morality. And that the answer to that is simple, Brandon. It's because we're all made in the image of God. Yep. Exactly it's, right. We're all made in the image of the same God. And so we get that sense of a need for justice and a need for ethics. But if you're in rebellion as a human, you will not appeal to the God who actually is a standard for all those things. Humanity led by the spirit of God is constantly progressing in our morality, which I know you all would probably very much disagree with. But I believe every generation we're getting towards more of what Jesus talked about as the kingdom of God, where we have a society of justice, equity, peace. And so but, I see. But you don't, but you don't, yeah, but you don't know you're admitting, though, Brandon, I'm sorry. Make sure just I don't want to yeah. I want to make sure that we're at least dealing with uh, one point at a time here. So um, but you've admitted that the, the word of God that talks about the kingdom of God and God's justice, uh, you admitted that you don't believe that it's inerrant or infallible or that it's the standard, the ultimate standard at all. So my question is, why appeal to it at all? Why talk about things like the kingdom of God and the law of God written in our hearts when you've already acknowledged at the front that you don't respect it, believe it, stand on it, respect it as an ultimate authority? You think that it's um, either corrupted at points or just the words of mere men and not an ultimate standard. So I would just make a point here. When you say, you know, Scripture says the law is written in our heart. Well, the specific word there is the Torah is written within us. In Jeremiah 31, 31, God's law, the law, would be written within us. When Jeremiah wrote that, they had a law in mind and an instruction in mind, and that was the law of God from the Old Testament. And so that's what's written within us. And so there, there's, a, there's an objective standard of what that law was. So yeah, it's, it's now internalized. It's no longer on stone tablets outside of us exerting pressure from the outside. It's internalized with God's people in the New Covenant. That's specifically a New Covenant promise, by the way. Um, but that law is objective. We know what it is. God spoke it. So here's a couple things. I think this is where we fundamentally disagree. Is I think your version of uh, Christianity tries to oversimplify things that aren't actually simple at all. Now, was that an answer to anything I just said? It, here's the point. Brandon makes two claims there. He says, one, I believe in the law written in our heart. Well, where's he getting that from? He gets that from Jeremiah 31 in verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them. That's the Torah, by the way. And I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor, each his neighbor, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, and I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. This is a specific new covenant promise. This is to believers. This is to God's people. He'll take the law, the Torah, and put it within them. Well, which law was Jeremiah talking about there? He's talking about the very law that... Brandon Robertson condemns, it, but yet he appeals to it and says, I believe in the law of your heart. That's a new covenant, Brandon, a new covenant promise, Brandon. That's, that's God's law written within the people mm -hmm. of God. 
But that law is very specific. That instruction is very specific, and it's actually given to us objectively in the revelation of God given to us in Scripture. And so you can't just say the law is going to be put within us and say, but I reject the Torah as immoral. It's not right at many points. Which points? The ones I don't like. Exactly. I don't like those anymore. But that's the law that was promised. So here's the deal. I'm going to just encourage Brandon with this. Brandon, just give it up. Like, like don't, don't do the mishmash thing. Like, just, just fall into the atheism and be consistent with it. Because this position you're in now where you stand before people and you open this book that you publicly condemn, you open it on a Sunday and pretend to believe it and preach as though it's some sort of divine truth when on Tuesday you were condemning it. Do, do the people in your congregation not recognize that? That he's standing up there behind a pulpit with that book open and he just on Tuesday condemned the book as immoral and told me I can't trust it. Do you think people notice that, Brandon? Because I do. It's not like it's hidden. It's pretty obvious. But he makes that claim, the law of God's written within our hearts. But did you guys notice that he said, we're getting closer and closer to that justice? But wait, he already told us that he doesn't know the objective standard. So which, what justice are we getting to, Brandon? You act like it's ahead of us, and we're going to finally get to that standard of justice that I don't know. And we really hmm. can't know. What's justice then? Like, what's the standard of justice? Because, you know, cultures in history have had some different standards of justice. There's cultures today that say, look, the penalty for the thief is that you cut his hand off when he stole the loaf of bread. Is that justice? And Brandon, if you deny that that's justice, I would ask you, by what standard do you say that's not justice? Because God's word tells you what to do with thieves. It tells you how to pay back and make the victim whole and bring the thief back to society whole again. God's word tells you exactly what to do with thieves. But Brandon, how do I handle that? What's justice? How is that ahead of us? How do I define it? How do I know? Brandon says, I don't know, but uh, we're getting to it. <laughs> I don't know, but we're getting to it. It's somewhere there. Well, what is it? Can it be known? No, but it's out there. Well, what, is it? what does it look like? It's kingdom of God stuff. It's law of God in your heart stuff. The kingdom of God means the rule of God, <laughs> right? The kingdom of God, all the, it, the beautiful terminology that it is, it just means the rule of God. And the question is, how does God rule? By yep. what standard? Exactly right. By what standard? The scriptures tell you how that Messiah is going to rule. Isaiah 42, go look it up. He's going to rule in such a way that he brings his law to the coastlands. That's what he's going to do. He's going to establish justice in the earth. His, the coastlands waiting for his Torah, right? The law of God going forth from the people of God. The Torah, Isaiah 2, going forth from the people of God. One more thing, guys. Ezekiel 36, what's the promise of their new covenant? He says he'll put his spirit within people and he will cause them to observe his statutes. statutes. Which statutes are those? The same statutes that are the known statutes. It's the known law. It's the known Torah. It's the known statutes of God. I was just going to say by what standard, but you said, I mean, you, everything he just said by what standard, but I, I do want to say like, I mean, I'll make, I'd make an argument that's just straight blasphemy <laughs> saying that, well, you, know, you said something like, well, God puts the spirit in spirit is, and you know, and morality is evolving, you know, something along those lines. And I was just like, Oh, like, bro. Because it's not objective. I don't want to be mind. standing next to you when there's a lightning storm like we showed that, earlier. Yeah, yeah. That, it's, like, yeah you, it's evolving. Yeah. And the only reason you could say it's evolving is because 
it's chaos. Yeah. And there's no ultimate standard to get to from Brandon. Really, you can't know it, according to him. And so because you can't know it and he doesn't know it, it's evolving because we're just trying to work this thing out. Yeah. We're just trying to see what works, right? I mean, he really, Brandon really has no argument in Georgia in the 19th century. No. He really has no argument, right? Oh, this is making my black brothers and sisters uncomfortable. Answer, so what? That's a beast. That's not a person. That's Mm. what they would say. Some people would say that, right? Well, you know, we, we shouldn't treat other human beings like this. Question, says who? Brandon? You? You? Well, through my reason and my science, yeah, I reject all that. Don't care. I think you're being unreasonable. I think you're irrational. And I reject the science that you're appealing to. Really? Do you see the point? It has no moral oomph to it. Yeah. Nothing. Because it's just Brandon. Brandon has no argument against 19th century Georgia. He doesn't. The Christians did. They had an objective standard they appealed to. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of God. That man and that woman are in the image of God. We are all of one blood. And God calls this partiality and an abomination. And in Deuteronomy, by the way, I want to bring it up here. Uh, last week he was asking, but we were going so fast, it was difficult to get to it. He asked the question where scripture teaches that um, uh, slavery is evil, like the, uh, the slave trade. The, the Christian abolitionists were fighting against the slave trade with the word of God explicitly. And one of the things they appealed to was Deuteronomy chapter 24 In verse 7, if a man is found stealing one of his brothers of the people of Israel, and if he treats him as a slave or sells him, then that thief shall die. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. There's one example. Man stealing and enslaving is against the law of God. And it's actually something that's so serious, you deserve capital punishment. Contrary to Brandon's claims, and he didn't even know where the verse was, because let's be honest, Brandon has very little respect for the word of God in the first place. Let's just be honest, the man is not looking, and uh, he's not aware of historical events that led up to abolition in this nation and what they taught and what they believed and all the rest. And so it is the case that the Christian worldview does away with slavery everywhere it goes. And people will say, yeah, but they were Christians in the 19th century, in the 18th century, that owned slaves. Yeah, and they were in sin against God, and that's exactly what the Christian abolitionists, abolitionists indicted them about, is that you are doing something that is forbidden in the Word of God, completely forbidden. Well, I, I was so glad that you, you did this in the, when you guys talked to him, because the show before, I think we had discussed um, BCLE. Yeah. And Can you at, continue this conversation without me for a second? Yeah, Jeff's got to go yeah. and use the restroom. Uh, so... Um, which camera am I looking into? Um, I, th- I think it, I don't remember if it was me. One of us brought up that if Brandon wanted to be consistent about his position on sexuality and what is okay and not okay, um, then he should be fully on board with bestiality. And so I was very thankful that, that Jeff and James brought that up in this, in this conversation with him and Jeff really pressed him on. I was like, Hey dude, if you're, if you're going to be consistent then you should have no problem with bcl and he was like oh no not at all like he rejected that like that was icky and again it just goes back to by what standard you know what is okay what is not okay what is icky what is not icky and it really is up to brandon he decides what's icky and not icky and what's more morally okay in the eyes of god and really um you know god's law doesn't really matter unless he likes it it reminds me we're getting ready to to do easter pageant here with the our LDS neighbors, um, and um, that just reminds me a lot of Mormonism. They they like the Bible as long as it agrees with uh, their Mormon theology. They will say, you know, so far as it's 
translated correctly. But if there's anything in scripture that uh, disagrees with Mormon theology, they immediately reject it. And it's the same with Brandon. So he's, he likes the Bible when it works for him. And uh, yeah, so here comes Jeff again. We were, I was just, just talking about the, I was th- thankful that you pressed him on the bestiality thing because yeah. he was very inconsistent on that, and which didn't surprise me. Well, that, and that's the point. I think that that's a, a key issue to, to talk about is that Brandon likes things, and I pointed this out to him. He likes things like love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's in the teaching of Jesus. He likes that. Well, the key issue there is that's from Leviticus 19. So yeah. he, he picks and chooses what he doesn't want to follow from 18 or other aspects of the Levitical law, but he really loves Leviticus 19. Okay, so we get to have that one. Who says? Well, Brandon says. Brandon says, I agree with that. I like that. I think that that's moral. And we're going to get to it in a second here, but I, I want to go ahead and just state it ahead of time so you'll, you'll know uh, when you hear him say it. He'll say, well, these, these guys do the same thing. Like they, he, he'll say it like, you know, they're picking and choosing things that they don't follow, like, you know, the mixed fabrics and, you know, the, dieta- the dietary restrictions and all the rest. And it's like, no, Brandon, you should have known this in Bible college. Christians don't... Um, not practice those things any longer just willy-nilly like well that was old testament i don't care about that anymore that's not how it works we have explicit word from god revelation from god from inspired apostles as to the reasoning behind no longer under the new covenant practicing those things in the very same way and here's what i mean by that if you look in your new testament at the book of ephesians in ephesians chapter 2 You have explicit word from the Apostle Paul as to why you no longer practice the holiness code. The holiness code were things that the Jews were given specific to Israel in the Old Covenant where they were supposed to practice things to keep them separate from the nation. So, for example, you had dietary restrictions. You had holiness code. You had things that were the commandments contained in ordinances. So they had to do things like um, even in their clothing, not mixed fibers. You're supposed to teach them about syncretism. Don't adopt the practices of the pagan nations and those foreigners and bring them into the practice and life of Israel. Don't do those things. And they were to do those things to teach them very symbolically about not blending. Don't take their practices, bring them with your own. So they even had it into their clothes. These were training wheels in the holiness code to teach Israel to be holy. So even in what they ate, they were to be holy, separate and distinct. The apostle Paul tells us now under the new covenant administration, those holiness code commandments, the commandments contained in ordinances, are no longer applicable under the new covenant because now we have the Spirit of God within us. Now we have been brought into this one body. Now we no longer need the holiness code because we have the law written within us. And the holiness code is specifically said to have gone away. Here it is in Ephesians chapter 2. Therefore, verse 11, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh. Here it is the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. So why do Christians no longer practice the holiness code and those commandments in the same way under the new covenants? 
because those are done now. They serve their purpose. Now we're one body in Christ, no longer Israel being separate from the foreign and Gentile nations, being holy and separate. Now we are one body, Jews and Gentiles brought together and made near because of Christ. And so we don't need the training wheels anymore. And that's why we don't do them the same way. However, really important, every one of those commandments had meaning and have meaning today. They endure. We are still not to practice what the unbelievers practice. We are still not to adopt syncretism and do what they did or do what they do. The holiness commandments are no longer applicable in the same way, but they still have meaning and relevance in a new covenant. And the Apostle Paul even does this with what we would consider very strange practices with like removing the leaven from your house. Are we today under the new covenant still to rehearse the training wheels of Israel to remove the the leaven from our house, symbolizing removing the sin and everything from our lives? We don't do that anymore. Why? Because it's a new covenant. We have a, a finished work. We have a perfect redeemer and a perfect mediator, a high priest with a once for all sacrifice. He's the temple. We've been brought near. We're indwelt by his spirit. We don't do the training wheels anymore, but according to Paul, we still actually do what that commandment was by removing, Paul says, the malice, the leaven of malice from within us. So it's not like, oh, that's irrelevant and dumb law. That stuff was just for them. It's irrelevant. We just throw it away now. No, it all had meaning and still has abiding relevance, but we don't practice it in the same way. But the principle is still present and abiding to this very day. And Paul appeals to that with even that very strange practice of removing leaven from your house. He says, you remove now the leaven of the malice from you. So it has carryover, doesn't it? It's not just a throwaway. It's not just that we're throwing these laws out willy-nilly. Is those laws had a specific purpose for the old covenant administration. However, all those laws about justice, all those laws about morality, like sleeping with your aunt, sleeping with a relative, sleeping with an animal, or sleeping with a man. All those are moral principles, and they are the very things, Leviticus 18, that God says he is punishing the foreign nations for practicing, because those moral laws are for everybody, Mm -hmm. all image bearers of God. We're trying to remove the leaven from Christ's church right now. That's what we're doing. That's exactly right. And I don't think uh, it's as simple as you either believe all of the Bible or you believe none of the Bible. I hear that a lot from more conservative Christians. That's virtually not how anybody has engaged with Scripture throughout the history of Judaism and Christianity. I'm sorry, I think it's better and more accurate to say you either believe the Bible is God's word or you don't. You either, either believe this is the divine revelation of God or you don't. That's a more accurate way to put it. And if you put it in that way, the way that it ought to be put, then you begin to see where the lines are drawn. Mm -hmm. Brandon doesn't believe that, that these are the words of God. These are all the words of God. They are all relevant. I must yield to the voice of God. He doesn't believe that. He believes, I'll take this. I don't like that. These are just the words of men. These are the words of a racist. By the way, Jesus, he's also a racist. Thank God he repented. What audacity. What unbelievable audacity, but that's what he says. And because Brandon's the reference point. So epistemologically speaking, and how do you know? Well, in Brandon's church, they can all know because Brandon says, because Brandon says, that's really the source is that's how he feels. That's what he believes. Mm -hmm. And even then Brandon's fine with people just rejecting it because nothing he says is authoritative because he doesn't know the objective standard. And he said at the end of our discussion, 
He said, I hope they reject what I say. I hope they say they don't agree. Because he doesn't believe that anything's authoritative or ultimate anyways. Even Brandon's own words, he thinks don't have any binding authority at all. Because it's a mishmash for Brandon. It's not how we engage as human beings, as reasonable, thoughtful people. It's not all in or all out. I believe that the Bible is a human product inspired by God. And yes, there are parts of the Bible where I believe God's revelation comes true or comes through clearly. Uh, And there are parts of the Bible that are clearly immoral and wrong and should be According to who? You don't believe there's an objective standard, though. You said that you can't know it. So why are you chastising scripture about morality? One of the first points that I bring up in the debate is that I believe the Bible is not an objective moral standard for me or for anyone else. No one takes all of the Bible and all of the morality within the Bible as applicable and true. And thank God for that. The Bible, I believe, is a human product that on many points has gravely deficient moral standards. According to Mm. Brandon Robertson. Yep. That's the point. According to Brandon Robertson. Robertson, because he doesn't believe that he knows that objective standard. So when he calls things gravely immoral, he calls them that it's there's no power behind it. There's no authority behind it. He's making the claim. He's just asserting it. But he's already told you, I don't know anyways. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. But it's not that. Who says? By what standard? Brandon Robertson. That's how he feels. Of course, there are portions of the Bible that introduce really innovative and progressive moral standards for the era that the word was written in. According to Brandon Robertson, there are some things in the Bible that uh, coincide with Brandon's desires, and he likes those things. Yeah. And then there are other things that Brandon Robertson doesn't like. He thinks they're icky. He thinks they're immoral. And so he tosses those out. And you say, oh, on what basis? Well, because I, I think so because I feel like that, or because the consensus of these scholars over here say that. And it's all, it's just based upon what, at that point, convention, right? You get enough people that agree with you, it becomes moral. Try that during slavery. Try that with Hitler's Holocaust. Try it. Does it work? It doesn't work. Just by consensus. And that's what he has. It's just chaos. And that are good for our world today. But for someone to claim, as Jeff does, that the Bible is their objective moral standard on all matters of morality is objectively false. Unless Jeff is also willing to advocate for the straightforward Bronze Age morality of scripture, like slavery, like subjugating women. Slavery. So let's do it. (laughs) Um, So I just gave you, I just gave you a scripture from the very words of the Torah, the law of God, where God says that the punishment for kidnapping and enslaving somebody is actually capital punishment, the death death penalty. What Brandon wants to do is he wants to play on the emotions of people in the West who have had the kind of slavery behind us like we had in the South and the North in this nation. He wants to play off that and just use the word slavery. What he doesn't want to go into is historically the slavery or being a bond servant that existed as a means of protecting the poor from death. They didn't have bankruptcy laws back then. And so there were times where let's say that Luke was a fantastic business owner. He owns like six different businesses in the marketplace. The economy tanks, things go bad, and then all of his businesses fail. And now he is severely in debt after once being this amazing businessman. Okay. That's his, this, this happened. So he's an amazing businessman. His businesses all fail. He is now indebted. Well, in those days, they don't have chapter seven. 
They don't have the bankruptcy laws we have in this nation, chapter 11 and reorganization or whatever. What had happened then is you could die um, and your family could die. And what you could do is a person comes and says, hey, look, Luke, I know that you are a fantastic business owner. I'm doing well. This is what I will do. Rather than you going into debt prison, rather than you losing your life, your family going into poverty, I will pay your debt for you. I will pay off all your debt. You come and you work for me to pay off your debt. I will be the master. You'll be the slave. I'm going to pay off all of your debt. And you come work for me. Mm. Use your business skills to expand my businesses. I'm going to pay your debt off for you. That's the kind of debt slavery that we're talking about at some levels. What the Bible does not condone, and it condemns it explicitly, is the kind of slavery where you kidnap and enslave and own another human being. That's capital punishment. So yeah, we are called bond servants, slaves of Jesus Christ, and I wear that title with pride. I am a slave to a good master who paid my debt to purchase me. He took away my debt, the weight of my debt, before a holy God. He purchased me. I am his slave, and I'm honored to be his slave. He is a good master that erased my debt. He owns me. Praise and glory to God. That's the kind of slavery. And by the way, it's amazing. He actually said last week, he actually said last week, and I didn't get a chance to address it because we're going so fast. He actually said that the Bible doesn't oppose slavery. And when I thought about that, I was like, this is a whole thing to go into, but we probably won't get a chance to do it. I'll just use the verse that explicitly condemns it and says capital punishment. Mm. But what I thought about is like, do you not read your Bible? Do you think people don't see that? That the story of Israel begins with what? They are in bondage (laughs) and enslaved to where? Egypt. And what does God do as their God coming into a relationship with them? He frees them from their bondage and slavery and brings them into the freedom and liberty, liberty of the promised land. The Bible story starts with freedom from slavery with the people of God. And the whole theme of the New Testament is that Christ has given us redemption. He's purchased us. He has freed us from our slavery. What does he say in John chapter eight? Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Mm. But if the son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. The whole theme of the Bible is freedom from slavery. So this whole idea that the Bible condones slavery, it teaches slavery, it's absurd on the face of it. Is there slavery in scripture? Yes, but it's not the slavery Brandon's talking about. It's the kind of slavery that is a mechanism and it's existed in the entire ancient world of preserving the poor from death. That's what we're talking about. And by the way, do we need to talk about Jubilee? Do we need to talk about all the instances in God's law that talk about freedom mm. from debt and slavery and all the rest? Brandon Robertson, here's the problem. He doesn't know his Bible. He doesn't respect it. He doesn't honor it. And so he doesn't know it well enough to actually fight in this arena. And so what does he do? He mischaracterizes it. He maligns it. He lies about it. And by the way, uh, and I, didn't, I don't have the reference in front of me, but it's one of the references that I just love that... Uh, um, Zach Lauchlager brings up a lot in his talks is the reference from uh, Corinthians. I'll pull it up in a second here. Oh yeah. That if you, if you have the opportunity to get your freedom, do it. And that's a command from the apostle. Yeah. So much for the Bible, just loving slavery. It's all about freedom. (laughs) He must have the progressive standard version. Yeah. The progressive standard version, the PSV. PSV. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the 
like opposing interracial marriage. Oh, he said uh, subjugating women. I deny that. I absolutely deny that. I deny that scripture teaches a subjugation yes. of women, saying that men have a different role or function than women is not subjugating women. In scripture, it actually says there is neither male nor female, slave nor free. We're all one in Christ Jesus. Mm. Where's the subjugating of women come from? PSV. PSV. So is, is it just that Brandon believes that there are no gender distinctives, that there are no roles for males and females? That's probably what it is. And let's be honest about why. Because he rejects the Bible. He rejects the biblical authors when they are speaking from God that say, this is the role of the man. This is the role of the woman. He says, that's subjugation. Scripture says, no, they're equal. They just were made for different things. Mm -hmm. These have gifts in this way. These have gifts in this way. That's how harmony is brought. Whereas Brandon Robertson's worldview only has disharmony. And committing genocide and advocating for polygamy. Okay, (laughs) let's do it. Uh, Committing genocide. So many things. Committing genocide. Do you mean... When in scripture, God commands the destruction of wicked and evil nations who take their three-year-old children and bring them up to a statue that has been set on fire with the belly open as an oven, Mm. and they take their three-year-old child kicking and screaming, and they place this three-year-old child into the belly of this beast to be incinerated in front of everybody so that they can have better crops that year or that their finances will be better? I'm talking about Moloch worship. Do you mean when these foreign pagan nations are engaged in such depravity and wickedness where they actually teach that um, you can have sex with animals and that it's a good thing to have sex with animals? They actually portray in these ancient cultures, whether it's Canaan or wherever else, Canaanites or whatever, where they portray, we even have this today brought down to us, they portray their gods having sexual relationships with animals, and they put into their law codes that it's okay to have sex with these animals, but not these animals. Don't have sex with pigs. Don't have sex with pigs. That's that's evil. You'll get put to death for that. But you can have sex with this animal. Right. They actually taught that. They believed that. They did those things. They were the very things Leviticus 18 is talking about. The foreign nations were engaged in. These are pagan, wicked cultures who were destroying themselves and destroying even Israel. And so, yeah, God, as the righteous judge, has the right over his creation to give life and to take it away. And he sends his people against these godless, wicked nations who are throwing their children into the belly of the beast to destroy them. And he says, yes, destroy them. I'll get, you know what? Let's do it this way. Brandon, I'll give you one better. I'll give you one better. We see the manipulation with the genocide claim, but I'll give you one better. God does worse than that. It's worse than you're saying. It's worse than your claim and the way you're trying to portray it. Like, oh, these poor Philistines and these Canaanites and all the rest, these poor people who destroy their own children and murder them and all the rest to sacrifice for more finances or better crops. You know, it's just terrible that God commands genocide. He doesn't do it on the basis of their color, but their character and their actions, and it's worse. I'll give you a better one. There was a time where God destroyed the entire world. Yeah, it's true. Men, women, and children destroyed them all because he's the judge of all the earth and he'll always do right. And it was time for judgment. And when wrath, the wrath of God comes, it is always right. It is always good. And there was a time where it wasn't just one people. It was the entire world. The Bible doesn't make any apologies for that. It tells you on the front page, look, God destroyed the whole world because they were wicked. The entire world. 
That's what he did. It's worse than you're saying. Mm -hmm. But the question is, is does God, as the just and holy God, have a right to actually bring judgment on the earth? That's the part that that Brandon really doesn't like, is that he doesn't like God's judgments. That's the problem. But finally, polygamy. Wow. Amazing for a man to say like the Bible teaches, like an actual condoning of polygamy. Because Deuteronomy 17, 17, another law of God, we're back in the Torah again. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, in verse 17, God explicitly says, when speaking of the king, the principle will apply to everybody. And he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he acquire for himself excess silver and gold. That principle, don't multiply wives. God spoke against it explicitly. Better than that is God started the beginning of the book with male, female, man and woman, Adam and Eve. And then the Lord Jesus, the incarnate God, God is man. When he's asked a question about marriage, about the Hillelite and Shemaite dispute over the any cause divorce, Jesus says, Has you, have you not read that from the beginning, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Jesus said that. Mm -hmm. What's he say? Watch. Ready? From the beginning. So for Jesus, from the very start of creation, there's no way around that. By the way, I think that's a major response to theistic evolution. From the beginning, he made them male and female. Male and female from the start, and it was male and female. It was Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. (laughs) Right? And it was Adam and Eve, not Adam and Eve and Jane. And joy and all the rest. It was Adam and Eve. And so God set that at the very, very beginning as the norm, the standard, and he condemns polygamy in Deuteronomy 17, 17, contrary to Brandon Robertson's claims. And many other of the immoral practices that the Bible speaks of, it's clearly not his objective moral standard. I argued that objective morality might exist, but that we cannot know it objectively as subjective beings. That makes no sense. Yeah. Philosophically speaking, sorry, Brandon, you just collapsed there because the question about whether it's an objective standard, it's irrelevant that we're subjective beings because the standard exists outside of us and that standard is the objective standard. My subjective desires my will, whatever the case may be, really doesn't change the nature of the objective standard. And if God is that standard and he's revealed himself to us, then we actually, in fact, do have an objective standard by which to measure our will, our desires, all the rest. Even as subjective beings, you use that terminology, we still have an objective standard outside of us that we can look to because God has spoken. Uh, Brandon apparently doesn't believe that the all-powerful creator of the universe can speak with clarity and be understood by his creatures. That's the muddying of the waters there. We creatures couldn't possibly understand an all-powerful, all-knowing God. That's not the testimony of scripture, though. This doesn't mean that we cannot have any moral standards or make any moral arguments. No, it means that you cannot claim them with certainty. You can't, you don't have justified true belief. You cannot have any true warrant for them. No justification for them, Brandon. Yes, I know that Brandon and others, atheists, agnostics, whatever, they make ethical claims. They make claims about ethics and morality. That's because they're in the image of God. No one's saying you can't make the claims, Brandon. We're saying you can't justify them. Right. You can't justify them. 
You don't know them. You're not certain. You've admitted you're not certain about them. You've admitted you don't know. Yes, Brandon, you make the claims. The philosophical challenge being brought to you is you cannot provide the preconditions necessary to make an intelligible appeal to those ethical standards because you have no justification. You're not even trying to make a justification for them. You don't do it. You say, I don't know. But I certainly want you to believe me when I make the claims. It simply means that there is no way to lay hold of some hypothetical objective moral standard. Let's try it. Ready? <laughs> is that objectively true? Here's me laying hold. This is me laying hold, right? There's me laying hold of this objective standard, God's revelation in history. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens, right? Heaven and earth have passed away. My words will by no means pass away. Here's that objective moral standard. Here's the revelation of God, right? And if you mean laying hold of it intellectually, Brandon, you'd have to read it and submit to it. You'd have to look at it and submit to it. So yeah, there is a way, Brandon. There is an objective standard. Everything you're saying is just a meaningless claim. It's just, mm -hmm. you're just asserting things. You're just announcing it. You're not defending yourself. You're simply announcing it. Mm. You're just asserting it. And that is meaningless. You're not justifying it. You've already taken your own legs off because you said, I don't know, but I'll certainly tell you what I think I know. That's out there in the universe. In the same way that I'd argue there doesn't seem to be an objective way for subjective beings to objectively know God, which is why we're required to have faith, I'd argue that we must also use the best evidences and resources that we have to establish a moral code. So let's do this real fast. Again, another departure from Brandon from the scriptures. We probably should end here. Um, yeah. We think, yeah, we're going over here. Appointment. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's go ahead and end on this one in Romans chapter one. You'll see another one of Brandon Robertson's departures from the biblical worldview because he speaks, the apostle Paul speaks in a very different way at many points than Brandon. And, um, after he says he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, he says, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Anapologetus, without a, an apologia, without a reasoned defense. For although they knew God, it says that all of God's creation, all of these image bearers of God, know him. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. I wonder... It says, therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring mm -hmm. of their bodies among themselves. I wonder if Brandon is not familiar with this section of scripture that denies what he just said about God not being known. I wonder if he's not familiar with it, because that's also the very section of scripture that says that these people actually switched God for an idol and men started going with yeah. men and women with women, burning in their lusts for one another. So much for this... Um, this uh this claim to like oh this is temple prostitution this is a person who's like you know just trying to uh, emasculate a man and you know he's involved in penetrating this man and and this other person's like you know a temple prostitute that kind of stuff it's like wait a minute what about the burning and lust for each other 
That's clearly they, not an objective revelation right they, there. Yeah, they burn in lust for each other. And it's also, interestingly, women with women. So that doesn't seem to be a very tenable interpretation, does it? And the text clearly says, Brandon, they know God. Everybody knows him. They just don't want God in their knowledge. Everything about God is clearly perceived and known through what God has made. He has made himself known to them. The problem isn't that they don't know him objectively. It's that they don't want him. Yep. It's not a problem of a problem of a lack of light, according to Romans 1. It's a problem of sinful suppression of truth. So much so, in denial of Brandon's claim, that all of humanity is left on apologetus, without a reasoned defense. They don't have an apologetic, kind of like you, Brandon. No reasoned defense. That's what the text says. How far are we into this? 737, there's 13 we're, minutes we're there. Maybe there. we'll do it next week. Yeah, there's we'll finish it up. A lot Final of words? Um... Thank you. I know Gabe's got the super chat up. There's been some awesome people in the super chat today, so thank you. Yeah, super chats, rightly dividing the word, radar apologetics, samurai style TV, DW, Panzer, Lair, Fargo 007, Fargo. the Nehu. Thank you for that encouragement. Keep up the good work, Pastor Jeff and Pastor James. Jake, keep up the good work, Pastor Jeff. God bless you. Thank you, Jake. Andy, you guys have advice for protesting, evangeling, and drag show story hour. Uh, be a first time protesting. I would say go there with the gospel. Yeah. Go there with love and grace. Preach the truth. Preach the gospel. And make sure um, you're protected because the cops may try to arrest Yeah, you. stay off of private property. Honor and respect private property. That's very important for Christians when you engage in any kind of evangelism like this. As, as far as you possibly can, you, you respect private property because God's law would demand that of you. Don't breach that. Stay where you can stay in a way where there's, you know, freedom and access and all the rest and preach the truth, trusting God to bring uh, uh, a blessing to the proclamation of his word. Don't forget, everybody, please go to apologiastudios.com. Sign up for all access. We have a ton more rolling out for you guys. We are working on an app eventually this year. Um, and we're adding all kinds of new programs just for all access partners. Thank you guys for making everything we do possible, including even the video with Brandon Robertson, making sure that the world sees that all of our evangelism videos, Luke and I are very excited because the Mormon temple Easter pageant is coming up and we have general conference. We're going to do both of them this year and general conference in Salt Lake city. We're going to get all kinds of time out there to do evangelism, to minister to our Mormon friends and family and to preach the gospel to them. We're going to hopefully get some of that content for you guys as well. Pastor James, White and I are doing a debate with two atheists on ethics at the University of Utah on April 1st. Is that April Fool's Day? It is. Providential. It is. April providential. 1st, University of Utah, Pastor James, myself, against two atheist ethicists on uh, does morality depend upon God? Be in prayer for that, guys. Lots and lots going on. Please be in prayer for all of our bills that are going on across the country right now that God would establish justice for the preborn. Thank you all so much for your love and your support towards us. Don't forget to sign up for All Access, guys, to help us to do even more. We'll catch you next week right here on Apologia Radio.